Hello and welcome to another episode of the Women's Rugby Pod. Episode 114 and the band is back together. We have Red Roses captain, recently crowned Grand Slam champion, back to back to back to back to back, to back champion, MBE, Sarah Hunter and of course World Cup winner Rachel Burford. How are we guys? Enjoying the, uh, the nice weather over the weekend? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Johnny. It's nice to get sunshine. Um, obviously, we were down at Bristol Bears on the weekend, which was an awesome occasion. Um, the result or not, having 4,000 people there at a domestic game again was excellent. And then, yeah, Sunday was lovely. How about you? Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, out in the sun, a bit burnt on Sunday. Out in the sun, <laughs> having a couple of beers. Celebrating our end of season, but so to how the how are the ribs? I mean, you've had some good news since uh, we last spoke to you. Obviously, uh, another championship under the belt. Got a new house, but a few broken ribs. So, give us an update. How's everything? Yeah, really good. Um, obviously, it wasn't how I wanted to finish the tournament. Um, breaking three ribs. Apparently, you can't play rugby doing that. Um, and they're healing well. Um, just don't make me laugh, cough, or sneeze, and I'll be all right. Um, and yeah, it was amazing to be out there with, with the girls in France, you know, to, to still be part of the team and, and see them do so well, um, in that final game and yeah, to, to be there to, to lift the trophy was pretty cool. Uh, back to reality, um, in coming back to Loughborough, like getting the keys to a house, realizing how much work there is to be done on it. Um, so yeah, it feels like Six Nations was months ago now. Well, it is only yeah, just just off the back of it. Look, today's pod, we've got the band back together. Uh, we've got Prem 15s to look at. Obviously, really, really exciting time of the season. Results, some going well, some going not so well with the present company included. Um, we'll look ahead to see how that, that top four is going to break down. Got some international news as well. Sevens, news from New Zealand, France, South Africa as well. Uh, but first, I'd be remiss if... Uh, we didn't speak to you, Sunter, about lifting a, another Grand Slam title. What was France like the whole occasion and uh, obviously lifting the, the title again? France was incredible, you know. Um, like, it's one of the best places, I think, to, to go and play. The atmosphere is incredible. It's just so hostile. Um, but I think you really thrive on it. Um, and the Super Saturday was no different. You know, as the as the girls are walking back into the change rooms, you just, like... Just the walk past the main stand and like the booing was like probably the worst I've ever heard it but the girls were like loving it and Midge was there going that's what it means we've already got into their head all this sort of stuff so I think they they really lived on it so when we were up in commentary you saw both teams had obviously finished their warm-up and then they started to walk down this tunnel and the tunnel was really really small and you see the French um start to like pick up the pace start walking a bit quicker they England start walking a bit quicker and then Skaz is like come on start running and then all of a sudden both teams are trying to fight their way to be first down this little tunnel and it was like right game is on shots have been fired already both teams trying to get one over each other just on getting through the tunnel yeah it was class it and that kind of probably start, stood the game in for for where it was going to go after after that and it was like an, it was a proper physical encounter um like being on the side you just like some of the shots going in and especially the forwards in terms of the way like a, a lot of it was that upfront battle um but yeah I think um I think it it like stood up to um sort of what you want in terms of a a, a final of a of a six nations and a grand slam decider and um yeah the girls did amazingly well. Berth and I 
whether you listen or not, but speaking about in England and possibly lacking a, a fluidity, um, certainly down, down that back line. Yeah, individual brilliance is quite clearly there and, and physical dominance across the 23 is, is what's winning you games pretty much at the, at the moment. But it, there was a moment in, in France when they, they went to the corner and, and took a driving line out and went nowhere. And then the first time you did it, uh, they stopped you to begin with and then yeah, somebody went bang, bang. We'll pop down another gear. Boof. And that, that kind of summed up the, the, the tournament for me. How impressed have you been with the, with the physicality of your, your charges? Oh, like, it, it's been next level. And I think um, Alex Martin's been a huge part to play in that, like a uh, strength and conditioning coach in terms of what he wanted to do when he came in and how he wanted to train. But I think they kind of ramped that up since um, since the autumn, which we weren't we didn't think was possible. And you do find new ways to to like like raise a level and to go again. And I think um, like we thrive on playing um, like those test matches against France. But I think what we probably forget is that every week throughout the Six Nations we're doing that against each other. So like we we'll have like a really physical uh, Wednesday, which is like playing like a kind of game it's not obviously not an 80 minute game or anything but you go in like hammer and tong against one another so actually I think it's to to make sure that in those moments like you said Johnny in finals of games actually we're we're ready and we have got another level to to go to when it when it really does matter. Berth what did you I mean, make of England look we, we did the the team of the, of the six nations and you know not too much abuse um which is which is quite nice. Um, Donna Rose should have mentioned her more. Anyway, um, that's my only regret. But we didn't talk a huge amount about the performances and what have you with uh, Ali and Sarah last week. But what did you make of England? Because you know, for me, France was the only game you can really properly analyse and, and look at England. All due respect to the others, but if you've got a dominant scrum, dominant line out, you're going to beat the other the other teams. Um, what did you make of, of England against France? Yeah, I think I think they problem solved as they went along. Um, I think France let them off on occasion, a number of times. They got themselves into such a great position, but just I think Ali said it last week. They just weren't ever ruthless enough to really take all of those chances. And you know, you do wonder where that game could have gone had Boulard's try and uh, break turned into a try. Had they maybe taken a couple of opportunities where it made it a little bit tighter from England. Um, but yeah, I think set piece wise, they're a very well oiled machine, you know, no matter how much analysis you can do against it, it still is, becomes one of the, the weapons of England, especially their driving line out. I think in attack, I think there's still more to come. I think we've kind of, we, we've kind of seen the same throughout the six nations of what England can deliver there. It's like, how do you unleash that amount of talent in your side? Um, but I think that the level that Sarah Hunter's talking about in terms of SNC and the physicality and the, the the physical attributes that every single England player has is, you know, steps ahead, their opposite number. Um, and I, I think we said that the week before, Johnny, about if you used to put pen to paper, player for player, France, you, you know, 
England are out doing all of those players. And I think that's been a real mark of the work that they've done off the pitch, this dreaded PPP that they do every week on a Wednesday, which is basically a game, if not worse than a game. Um, and they, they play beyond, they train and play beyond a level of test match rugby. And that's why in every single game, yet yeah, didn't always have the best start, um, but they always came good. And being able to be that ruthless and that level of physicality and fitness, they are streaks ahead of everybody. Where, where they need more is in that attack. They need to have some other variation because if suddenly you're reliant just on that driving more, and that gets figured out by an opposition, then where do you go? Be interesting to get your reaction to, to that, Sunday, because it's, it's a sort of conversational piece that Berth and I have had you know, the last two, three, four weeks. Uh, and it's not, you know, you're winning by cricket scores. You know, this is, you know, we're talking the you know, minutiae here of, of this team, but but I know what high standards you and, and mid-set uh, set the group. I think, um, like, Berth's um, analysis and reflections are like, like spot on and uh, like obviously uh, you enjoy the win and you don't want to like take away from winning like a force like six nations in a row but th- there are things that like we didn't get right against France and I, I do think uh, the attack part is is probably certainly something that we we do need to to work on and I think our consistency of like like you say both like in some a lot of games we didn't start well and then but second half we we do that and we kick away and we 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 pull put on a, a a much better second half performance but like against sort of the teams that you're going to be playing in world cups and potentially semi-finals and and world cup finals like you you might not get away with that so we've got to find and understand like how do we start games better like how are we more consistent throughout a game like ha- like how do we unlock our attacks like you say we we've got like some like amazing backs like have we seen enough of them have we had to see enough of them because if we've gone a corner we've got a penalty scored a more like then you take that opportunity away from them so yeah I think um but then you, you look at the game against uh Wales and we had a more played off it just reach scores on the the edge and it's like how do we connect more and how do we um like yeah just like have different variations so we keep asking the opposition questions of like what's coming next rather than our like we're kicking to the corner which is great like it's an amazing weapon to have and we we like pride ourselves on it but for whatever reason like for one game like you say it doesn't go well well what's what's plan b what's plan c like actually can we change it up so they think we're doing this but we're doing something else so yeah i do think um there there is certainly areas for for us to work on and and i think uh, we probably are our harshest critics because like some of the girls were already starting to talk about well they haven't done this or they haven't done that and it's like look we've just won a grand slam enjoy the night and then we'll pick that up like there's time to to review it and get like critical with one another in terms of how we take that that game on to the next level but for the minute just enjoy that we've won a six nations finally on on the sort of six nations uh sort of specifically was do you feel that's 10 in a row against france now and obviously the relevance is the last time you're going to play them before the World Cup pool match. Do you, do you feel you have an edge over them when you're out there face to face? I think I, I wouldn't have known it was 10 in a row against them. So I guess like for us, we, oh, and this is like 
the boring like and it, it's definitely not like the PC answer but it, it's true like you take them on that game alone like I think especially with with France there's such a side where you don't know what's going to come out you don't know how they're going to play like Berth said if they'd converted like one or two of their chances it, it could be a different game and and that that can happen so we've got to be, be prepared that that France will come out. We we can't turn up and be like, oh, we've beaten them 10, 10 times in a row. Like we're gonna win this game. You get to a World Cup and um and then it, it's like a different level as well. Like it's a different like focus. It's a different mindset. So um so I wouldn't say that it's it's a given at all. Like we're we're gonna have to play well against them to to get that win in the pool stages. And who knows what might come after that, depending on how everything else works. Big tick from Emily Lyles. Well done, Sunta. Um, very straight back. Uh, Berth, um, you're out there. Uh, and before your outrageous partying, uh, which you've heard more than enough about, um, <laughs> the peak figures on BBC Two uh, were 723,000, a further 141,000 watching on the iPlayer. Even you, a champion within the game um are you surprised at just the impact this six nations has had um i guess yes but not that it's not warranted to have that impact because of the product is so good and we know that there's the appetite but i guess we've we've mentioned it before how we've all been saying and wanting the game to be put on this platform and at this level and we believe in it and all of this jazz and now we're just in it and I think that does take you by surprise that we're here now and we're really building the momentum and it it literally feels like it's kind of come out of nowhere but I think you have to give credit to the Allianz Premier 15s and what that's been doing over the last two years even during Covid we were still getting the games and now it's on BBC etc etc and I just think you know this has been, I said it right at the start of Six Nations, this absolutely feels like a new dawn to the Six Nations, to women's rugby, you know, completely in its own window, having its own rights, its own platform to perform on. And it has been so, so successful. And, you know, that was even with dates coming out quite late, venues coming out quite late. You know, so you think of all of that and you think of, you know, France, expecting to have a stadium built but wasn't quite built so you you think of all the bumps that still happened this six nations but yet we've still got viewing figures like that we've still got sold out stadiums we've still got people now you know wanting to know what's going on next year so they can get involved there's there's this real kind of buzz and following around the women's game and I think that you know it's it's wonderful to you know remember my first six nations game I can't at St Albans with maybe 100 people watching to where it is now and since that was your first cap I think against Scotland and then to where it is now where you know I'm I was in a great position where I got to see everything have a full kind of arena look at everything and just it's remarkable and it's so wonderful but like I said there's been bumps everything's not been perfect yet and there's still so much more to grow could not agree with you more um still still plenty plenty to do the broadcast side even yeah still sponsors reluctant that kind of stuff I just want to pick up on that like People talk like and ask, obviously, winning a Six Nations and another one is like, it's brilliant. And I've absolutely loved it. And it's amazing to continue. But for me, I look back on the Six Nations and just like this moment where I've like running out at King's home and had to like take a moment and gone like, wow, like, and it's almost taken like your breath away. The fact that like, what was it? 
14 and a half, 15,000 people and the atmosphere was incredible. And like, I completely agree with Beth. But like, I think this is a huge turning point. And for me, the exciting thing is, I feel like this is like, like the, the minimum, like everything from here is going to get better and better. And I think that's what I look back on. Yes, I've won a Six Nations and it's amazing. And that's a performance thing. But for the game as a whole, like this has been like something real special. And I feel like, like again, it's it's everything that we sit here and we talk about, but it just seems that finally the rest of the world are waking up and realising what we've been trying to do for years and years and years. And now they've gone, right, like this is women's rugby. It's amazing. We're going to get behind it and we're going to like keep pushing it on. And like that, I think this is what I'll take from the Six Nations. I think people will look back and go, do you remember 2022? Like it's almost like a turning point. Yeah, well, a hundred percent, and we, we we need to need to keep pushing. What the 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 very last point before we we move on I was just saying. Ali Donnelly's mentioned, um, and as we say, this kind of watershed kind of moment. Sarah Burns kind of alluded to it as well on, on social media about this is the last tournament where there are amateur teams involved. Um, do you think that's true? And so, to, to you, really, do you realise just how much? the Red Roses are, are, are pushing the game? Do you, do you get a grasp of that responsibility? Is it is it ever spoken about? I think um, I think it has to be the last Six Nations. You know, like you look at some of the things that have happened where you're playing an international one, game, one day and the next day you're, you're back in work and, it, and yet we're like off recovering and like you just feel like the unions have to get behind their players if they if they really do care about the women's game and they really do want to take it to that next level they keep saying about and how they want to invest in their women's game that they've they've got to put their money where their mouth is you know they like like unions are starting to do it you look at wales and and yes that the prob they probably needs to be more and but they've made a step italy have made a step like everyone has to take a step to go this is what we're doing. We're, we're investing and we're going to make our women's teams professional. If we really want to take this game to the next level, like we, we have to. And I think like as England, we've always we've got that. We talk about the responsibility that we have as professional players and about like what professionalism now means and what we have to do for that and for the game. So it's not something we take lightly. And I think hopefully with, with what we're doing and how we're trying to, play the game and where we, we are trying to to do that but but we're given every opportunity to do that as players like we're given that support it makes our life easy to do that you're asking like your islands your scotlands of this world to to do that while still having a full-time job and it just it's just not right in this day and age here here good soapbox stuff from the england captain Let's move on. We've got to move on. There's Prem 15s to get through. But first, we're just going to touch on a little bit of the international news in the last seven days. I'm Shani Williams, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Point. Starting off with the Black Ferns coaches, Wayne Smith, Wesley Clark and Whitney Hansen have named a 31-player in a squad for the Pacific Four Series, hosting Australia, Canada and USA next month. This is including Ruby Tui, who will be set to get her first cap, but it also includes seven uncapped players. Yeah, you can see Ruby Tui in there. It's obviously a seven star. Uh, you know her well, Berth. She 
just born to shine in, in any code of rugby, any sport, any walk of life, in fact, really, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, like, she's got plenty of good energy around her and she's not shy to, to show any of it. So, yeah, let's, she set a goal out to, to give herself an opportunity to to wear a Black Ferns jersey in the 15s. She's obviously done so much in the 7s and, and now stepping over to, to the 15s world. Indeed, so over the Tasman. Uh, the Wallaroos have unveiled their first Nations jersey set to be worn during their clash with Japan. That's this week. The jersey is designed by Noongar artist Senatella Walsh, depicting the connection between women and their spirit. Staying in Australia on Friday at the Suncorp Stadium, the Wallaroos have celebrated ending their 956-day Test match drought with an impressive 36-19 defeat of Fiji in Brisbane. Denied a chance to play a test since 2019 because of COVID-19, the Australian women's side captain by Shannon Parry scored seven tries to Fiji three and will now face Japan on Tuesday, the 10th of May. Fiji, I mean, you see them in the Super W just romp home with some, I don't know how much you guys saw it, but just some unbelievable rugby. Um, they're a real, real threat in the World Cup, aren't they? Yeah, we've got them in our pool as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, it's, they're, they're hope, well, they're a bit of an unknown, aren't they, in terms of, like, their 15-a-side team, but if they're anything like their sevens, and now we're getting some footage, they've obviously played Australia, I think Canada are going over there to maybe play them as well, so, Hopefully, we'll get a little bit more insight in terms of um, of how they're going to play, which will hopefully help us out when we do face them in the pool stages. And over to some sevens actions. The HSBC World Seven Series was in Langford, Canada, where Australia were crowned camp- champions, beating the returning New Zealand 21-17 in a thrilling final. Ireland took the bronze, defeating France 22-14. But this also means that Australia were crowned at the series title as well. And good for that that series title berth. I mean, obviously, that's Fiji and, and New Zealand haven't been there. So that will, I mean, for some people that has an asterisk, but um, improved with the victory over New Zealand in that, in that final that, that they, they are the best sevens team in the world at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really kind of, you know, stood out for them. They were actually crowned the series champions. I think it was in before the quarters so that all they had to do is get through and one team had to go out and it, it made them the champions and they could have just easily have set off. So for them to go on and win that championship kind of shows the mentality and that they've got that championship winning team with them. Obviously, Tim Walsh is back with them this season, back to his winning ways and, and kind of sets them up nicely for what's coming in September with the Rugby World Cup. I mean, we were at... I, Dubai and, and we're out in Spain, weren't we? And just the togetherness of of not just the women, but the like the the sevens, Australia sevens as a group, are so together. Whenever the women are playing, the blokes are watching. When the blokes are playing, the women are watching. There's just a real togetherness in in everything they're doing. And um, yeah, very good for their series title. But during uh, all of that, Porsche women scored a 200th series try. She is a phenomenal finisher, isn't she? And if you haven't seen, wonderful respect from her teammates did her a haka as she came back into the dressing room, uh, which, of course, in tradition, she replied with a haka of her own. It's, um, yes, I was chopping onions at the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 
you know, I love watching what they do and how they celebrate as a, as a group and the culture that they have. But, you know, just a word on Portia Woodman, the, the torrid injuries that she's had, you know, to then come back and just be world-class. I think the first time she touched the ball, she got on the outside and scored. And I think it was actually against England, so that was a bit heartbreaking. Yet again, as Santa will awesome. remember, the tour away. I won't go into that again. Um, but, yeah, she's just a phenomenal player. And I love how the girls really celebrate those kind of things within their group. You know, they all had T-shirts with her printed on them to celebrate, you know, an incredible story of her as an individual and, you've seen that time and time again within that squad and I just love that kind of real family feel that they have and they really care about one another and want to celebrate the successes that they've they've earned I'm Emma Mitchell and you're listening to the women's rugby pod the Premier 15's had its penultimate round at the weekend let's just go through the results the facts and figures for you Exeter Chiefs 54 Saracens 12 Gloucester Hartbury 36 was 7. Sale Sharks 57, DMP 5. And Worcester Warriors beat Loughborough Lightning 34 24. Bristol Bears 28, Harlequins took the win, scoring 43 points. So, have a, a quick look back at those. Are you surprised at the extra Saracens result? Do you know what? I didn't think that Saracens were going to beat them. They are, they are tough to beat away from home, but when you've got three hugely pivotal players away um I did think that they were going to struggle and you know even with those three players you know does that mean that 50 points wouldn't have been scored um would it have been the difference potentially not but it would have been a closer game but yeah no I don't think you know Exeter haven't been disrupted at all if you think of their player pool they've been able to continue with their momentum, had the same team week in, week out. Even in the cup game, they didn't do any rotation with any of their wider squad or anything like that. They kept their first team out there. So they've had the consistent team moving forward. So I I did kind of expect um, Exeter to win that game, but probably not by that margin. Gloucester Hartbury beating Wasp. I mean, both squads full of talent. What have you made of Wasp who failed to get to the top four and Gloucester, in fact, as well, Sinter? I think um, Wasps have had probably quite a bit of disruption through injury, through people being available. They've obviously got um, quite a lot of seven players in their back line who haven't been around for um, all the games. And that's I guess that's the choice you take when you, you, you have them involved in your, your squad, isn't it? About when they're going to be around. Um, you throw in, like, they've got quite a few Irish players who have been in and out. Um yeah, like injuries as well. So I think they've probably had quite a bit of disruption um, to to their squad. Um, they, having said that, they, they've still got a, a squad that's probably capable of me, uh, like being in the top four. So I think they'll be disappointed, very similar to, to ourselves. Um, and Gloucester have been that team that have pro- will probably look back in this season and be frustrated because they've lost numerous games in the the last couple of minutes or the last play of the game against some of the, the top four sides, which if they'd won those, does that make their season look very different to to what it what it's gonna be? But I think for them to to get that win against Wasps, they'll go to DMP um this weekend and they'll finish their season on a high. But I think when they do a review of it, they'll look back and be disappointed with some of those games, I'd imagine. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I just think for Wasps, unless they have Meg Jones playing in their team, they really struggle. And I think that's an area that they've got to work out for them next year. Who's going to be that kind of feel if Meg's playing away sevens or not. Um, but yeah, they'll be hugely disappointed. It's their first year not being in the top four, not being an opportunity to be in playoffs. Um, and, and like Cynthia said, they've got enough talent in that squad to, to be in the top four. Yeah, and it, we talk about Meg Jones there. I, I'm just going to throw in another Kate Older, um, who has literally been a rock for since the beginning of time um, for them. She's away with her newborn Bubba. Of course, far more important. But um, yeah, her her absence I think it's a, had a had a huge effect on that on that was squad. Um, Sale got their second win over DMP. I think early in the season we would expect them to, to win, but but not by the kind of margin. Fifty-seven five, Beth. That's a it's a good result for Katie. <laughs> yeah, um, Katie would be really chuffed with that. Um, I think we all know where DMP are as a group, but Sale Sharks have kind of had an inconsistent year, putting out some good performances. We've talked about them only having really a forty-minute performance the majority of the games, and teams being able to put them away in second half. So for them to be able to to finish the game out you know, full 80 minute performance and put that number of tries on. That's the other thing. It's like you can win games, but how you win them and what variation you have. And, you know, so that gives them great confidence going into the final game this weekend. So to then on to, to your game, um, we have said on this podcast before that we didn't expect Worcester to get top four, but we, they were going to affect who was in the top four. Um, uh, just take us through that result and the feelings off the back of it. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a cliche, but it certainly was a game of two halves. You know, we, we were probably in complete control in the first half, went in ahead at half time. And like you always know from the performance Worcester have had and when we played them at home, that they were going to come out and they were going to come out fighting. Like a, a Joe Yaks team doesn't roll over and doesn't give in. And what they've built throughout um, the season and the players that they've they've got and come together that... We knew the second half was going to be um, was going to be difficult, but I think the, the manner in which it was was probably disappointing for for Loughborough. Um, and yeah, um, obviously didn't get didn't get the win there. So um, and then it probably it probably um, just like is a, a real example of how our season's been. You know, like we've had some great games, like beating Bristol, beating Exeter, yeah. We we've lost in um, games we should have won, and we had that like like pretty tough start at the beginning of the season where um, there's some real results that we kind of probably just rolled over a little bit too easily, and it it probably just sum up um, in a performance how the season's been. Worcester did so, and and now in this league you've got to be consistent to be in that top four. So. Um, so yeah, it it probably is where we deserve to be, which is disappointing because the players that we have, if we have them and consistently play, then like we should be in the top four with the, the squad that we have and are able to play um, when we when we turn up. Yeah, fifth win for Joe Yaps Worcester Warriors side up to thirty thirty points. Uh, you're on 46, so it's still a way to to go for Worcester, but uh, as you said before, I think they're going in the right direction. Um, and then your victory at Bristol. As you said at the top there, Berth, great occasion, over 4,000. Congratulations to, to everyone at Bristol Bears for, for doing that. And just that sort of 
follow on from the Six Nations, isn't it? A great occasion, but I suspect overshadowed by your performance and just how impressed you were with your charges. Yeah, I think it was, um, you know, a bit of a, a nervy week, probably for a lot of teams where they've got all their players coming back in. You've got minimum amount of time to have a session together, get some, you know, get that team cohesiveness back together and you got one session before going into such a big game for us at the weekend um but yeah mega proud of how we played throughout the whole game how we defended it was an incredible atmosphere really impressive you know to see now you know another club pulling out kind of those kind of crowds like they've done really well at Shaftesbury Avenue always filling out numbers there but the capacity is not that great so it shows that they've built a following which was awesome um and, you know, they, they also dug deep. They got their bonus point, which then, again, secured them the opportunity to be in the in the semifinals. So, but I, I think it was just like great rugby, both sides, both teams pulling out some absolute worldy of tries, you know, variation within it. Um, it was a beautiful sunny day and it was kind of, you know, just what you want. Um, but yeah, mega proud for what we've done. We now put ourselves into that position where a few people have probably written us off, not thinking that we'd make that top four um, with, you know, the likes of other teams, you know, nipping at the heels. But yeah, mega proud and kind of that kind of that bit of relief, I guess, from the squad to, to have secured the semi-final place. But we know that we we need to be better. We know that we've got a tough game this weekend to, to focus on now. But but yeah, all in all, really, really a great, great day. Like I know the result for Bristol didn't go their way, but they played really well. They got plenty out of it. And again, the showcase of what they did, 4,000 people watching a domestic women's game on a Saturday afternoon when there's plenty of other things people could be off doing. Um, they filled it out and it was it was an incredible and a great stadium to play in. And hopefully they'll play more games there. Yeah, indeed so. And it just looks so much better. Um, cameras at the decent height and all the rest of it. That then concludes our top four. Top four is done and dusted. Where they finish, Saracens are top. We know that. Um, they are on 72 points. So they're definitely at home. Then it's the fight out for the other home semi-final. Exeter on 61 and Quinns and Bristol on 60. Bristol getting that bonus point against uh your Harlequins berth, Quinns on 12 wins, Bears on 11. This weekend then, I, it, it's interesting, isn't it, though, the, the, the psychology of it, isn't it? Are you are you particularly bothered a, a, about being being at home berth? Let's just run through the fixtures before I do that. Uh, all Saturday, 2pm, uh, according to the website. DMP hosts Gloucester Hartbury, Bristol Travel to Fellow, St. Bonas, Exeter, Loughborough host Harlequins while Wasp and Sale travel to Saracens and Worcester, respectively. Uh, are you bothered whether it's home or away semi-final time, Beth? I think naturally you'd want, of course you'd want a home semi-final. We'd love to be running out the soup and having all of our fans there. But I think ultimately you want to be in top four, wherever that's being played. You just want that opportunity and, you know, we fancy ourselves at home and we also fancy ourselves away. So whatever comes out of it from this weekend, we'll be ready. And your psychology on the other side of that then, Sunto, you're busy preparing without sneezing, laughing, coughing. Um, I think, I think Berth's right. I think um, ultimately the the goal is to get into top four and um, it'll motivate people in different ways, depending on who they get in the semi-final, depending on what's happened during the season. If, if they've, I don't know, been at home and they've lost that team, they'll want to like do better. If they've gone away, they've won away. If 
and they've got confidence from there or they've gone and want to make a difference I think there's so much different psychology you can apply depending on what that fixture is and whether you're at home or away you can you can spin it so many different ways to work for you but ultimately like the biggest goal is to perform well to get into that that final so so do Exeter and Bristol do, do, do they go full ball with your with your coach's hat on do they go full ball this weekend Bristol 60 points Exeter 61 Harlequins at Loughborough you expect if you're a betting man uh, and trying to be nice here, um, you suspect on the form of the Harlequins are. I've been away at Bristol, um, but there's the bounce back ability, no doubt, with Loughborough. But you suspect the Harlequins might might win that game. Oh my God, treading on eggshells. Um, <laughs> but do do Exeter and Bristol properly go for it this weekend? Is it is would it be that important to them, or would you say, well, let's rest up? It doesn't matter. Nah, I think they have to. I think you they could face each other the following. Is it the following week? Um, I think I think you also you've got to try and get some momentum going into that semi-final as well. So I think um I, I personally don't think they can go oh, do you know what we'll we'll just put um like change our team, we'll rest people, we'll look to the semi-final. I think you've got to go in with some form of momentum into that semi-final. Yeah, I agree. I think you're going to want to have combinations right you're going to want to try things out you're going to want to fix things that didn't work last weekend um and and also it's it's those like top two inches those you know we beat you or you beat us that you know you want to have that in the back of your mind what they've done and I think Bristol will be quite wounded at what happened last weekend and they'll want to make amends for it and you know you love beating teams away from home probably more so than you do at home so they're going to have that mentality going in against Exeter and it's about laying a marker about you know who's going to be going into those semi-finals with you know the favour on their back that people are going to be thinking after that performance I can't see them not winning this semi-final. I think it's it's great like that we're having this conversation like how many years have we had the Prem 15s and the top four has been decided, the order has been decided probably about five weeks ago. Whereas like until last weekend, we didn't know who was going to be in the top four this weekend. We don't know who's going to get a home semi-final, who's going to be playing who. And it it's just great that the league's been so competitive that, that we're having these discussions around, do you want, will he go strong? And uh, the way the fixtures have panned out as well, like it was, it's, come to a climax for the for the league um like fixtures which is exactly what you want and it's exactly how you grow the game because people take more interest rather than go oh like we'll we'll switch off for the final three four games of the season because we know what the semis are going to be yeah it was, it was Sarah's love for Harlequins was wasn't it and that's that's been the general pattern for the last last few years but yeah couldn't agree with you more so this round, hugely anticipated getting to that top four, and, and now for these uh, these semi finals. Come on, there, ladies. Uh, Sarah's, uh, Sarah's against who? Who against who? Second, Bristol. third. I think Sarah's. Who are you going to face? Bristol, and we'll Sarah. face Exeter. Yeah. I don't. I don't know the maths. Well, uh, if if uh, I think it's if Bristol beat Exeter. They'll play, and we beat Loughborough. Then we could then end up having a home semi, but it would still be against Exeter. Yeah. 
Oh, so many twists and turns that could happen. Oh, do you want me to go through them? Yeah. I think. Ser- didn't... Seriously? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, if it's a win, with or without a bonus point, their bonus point is, is plus 97 better than Quinn's, so they have a home semi final. If Harlequins win and Chiefs have a win, have won, then Quinn's finish third and they'll be at Sandy Park for the semi final. If Chiefs lose, it's a straight shootout between Quinn's and Bristol for the home semi final. If both Quinn's and Bristol acquire the same match points, both the bonus points or without, then Quinn secures second base on better points difference. If Chiefs lose and Harlequins lose, Bristol have a home semi final. Their opponents will be Chiefs unless Harlequins take two points from their loss, losing a try bonus point, and Chiefs get nothing. My head hurts, Johnny. Clear, clear as anything. <laughs> Which is why I didn't go through it originally, yeah. and I have to thank uh, Nick Heath for that. Yeah. Um, All we know is we've got to win three more games. Yeah, there you are. There's the line. I just just three more wins. Whoever it is, whoever it is, away we go. Let's get into part two of some international and a little bit of domestic news now, just to finish us off in this part. In Africa, the International Sevens has been going on. South Africa finished first, Madagascar in second, Tunisia third, Uganda in fourth, Kenya fifth, Zambia with six, uh, Senegal nine, Zimbabwe eight, Ghana seven. South Africa have qualified for the 2022 Commonwealth Games, already qualified for the 2022 Rugby World Cup sevens as hosts. Madagascar have qualified for the 2022 Rugby World Cup sevens. Go Madagascar. Yeah. Fantastic for them. In South Africa, South Africa even, their women's premier division has got up and running. Western Province sit top with two wins against Boland Dames and the Sharks. Border Ladies have started well with two wins from their opening three games and the Blue the Blue Bulls are also undefeated with their two wins. The Golden Lions find themselves at the bottom of the pile. This week, round four, the Golden Lions face Western Province. Golden Dames head to Border Lions and the Blue Bulls host the Sharks. Indeed, they do. Do you want to do the French stuff, Beth? I wouldn't want to overshadow no, you no, okay. you French pronunciation. Um, no, you embarrass everyone, uh, even French people themselves. Round 14, the final round uh, in France of their Elite One, resumed at the weekend. And just a reminder that Bayonne, fourth into the season, as so everyone's had 25 nil victories over them since December. Um, there were wins for ASA Rugmina, Stade Rene, and AC Babogni in Pool 1. Black and Lyon in Pool 2. Of course, Lille took the W from Bay on. So that means this weekend's quarterfinals look like this. The table toppers in Pool 1, Stade Toulousien, face Lyon. Stade Baudelaire hosts Grenoble. ASA Rugmina and Montpellier face off. While AC Babogni travel to Blagnac, who finished top of Pool 2. A star, that was, Johnny. Well done. <laughs> oh, merci and, bien, merci bien. And just in the English Championships, the playoff final result, which was last Sunday, the 1st of May, Cheltenham Tigers beat Thurrock Ladies 47-10 to 10 at Newlands Park, Owsbury RFC. So huge congratulations to Cheltenham Tigers for winning the championship. Yeah, fair play to them. And just a... Uh... The historical moments just keep rolling in uh, at the moment. At Twickenham the other weekend, Army met the Navy. A big win for for the Army, 69-0. But um, Army have a female coach for the first time. It's the first time that that female game has been played at Twickenham. It's televised and all the rest of it. Good production that was. Um, 
another historic moment. It's just great to see these these things happening just virtually weekly at the moment. Yeah, everyone's getting FOMO, aren't they? They're thinking, oh, we better do something. We better create something. <laughs> We're getting left behind. Um, but yeah, really incredible moment obviously Beth Dainton and um, Jade Mullen who play Arlequins were captain and vice captain and just spoke about how incredible the day was all the times that they've had to play on the back pitches and had no media around it no you know collective thought with the men and and to to have done last weekend is just you know something that they'll cherish forever and yeah historic day that will continue to write in the history books from now on. Indeedy so what a great moment to Finish the pod on. We just must just uh, send our best wishes to England RFU Chief Executive Bill Sweeney uh, recovering from um, an illness at the moment. So, yeah, best wishes to him. Speedy recovery to, to you, Bill. Um, ladies, it's been a real pleasure to to get the band back together, to get your thoughts and to be civil towards each other. You won't be quite so civil at the weekend towards each other, will you? Well, you're still nicey-nicey. Big hugs. Always before the game, let the game unfold, and then same after. And I'm not on the pitch, so it'll be fine. <laughs> don't squeeze her too hard, Berth, will you? Because <laughs> uh, she's got batteries. Don't get your finger caught on any clothing or anything. Yeah. Jeez, look at that. Ugh, my boys are fascinated by the videos. Of that. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. As ever, Suta, thank you very much for taking time out. Uh, Berth, pleasure as always. Catch up to us on social media. Any shout outs uh, as you sort of go into your summer break and what have you? Stay in touch. We'll be here through the Women's World Cup and, of course, the uh, 15th World Cup as well at Pod Women's Rugby. We'll see you very soon. See you, guys. Until next time.